There is, as Jason Chapman said, a ray of hope here. We're going to be able to go to a nursery. We're going to buy perhaps a rose bush and plant it. And we're going to be able to go to a hardware store. I need a new fizzy water thing that filters and you make your own. And I haven't been able to get it. We're going to be able to perhaps go to your favorite retail store and get curbside pickup. And, it, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, doesn't it? That sounds absolutely ecstatic to me, almost like going to France, really, or something on big, big trip. I know this was all, you know, get to be normal, but not yet. We're going to talk about getting back to normal. One of the big political discussions has been... Yes, we need these subsidies. And yes, as I joke, there's a little bit of socialist somewhere in in everybody in the last few weeks. However, what happens? Can you can you take these things away? Look at Obamacare in the United States. You know, the Republicans wanting to repeal and replace. It's very hard when people get things to take them away. Joining us is David McDonald, the senior economist at the Canadian Center for Policy Alternatives. David, welcome. Thank you for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. It's true, isn't it? Once we get it, we don't want to give it back. Well, and certainly once you see what governments can do in a crisis, all of a sudden uh, there's a lot more possibilities. Uh, when you hear the cupboard is bare, the cupboard is bare for many years, and then all of a sudden there's a crisis, and, and all of a sudden people can can get a program like the emergency benefit, for instance, that rolls out rapidly, that's more generous than the old EI system, that's easier for people to apply to. People say, well, why, why didn't we have this before? And sometimes it takes a crisis to rebuild systems such that they're better in the end. So what do you think, you know, Andrew Shearer was in a little bit of hot water for kind of insinuating, you know, these subsidies were going to make people a little bit lazy. I know him; he didn't mean that, but incentive is such a big word. Certainly it is for conservatives. Is it, it, will it, could it have that effect? Or as you're saying, are we going to be saying as voters now, you know, you could turn this stuff around pretty fast when you needed to? Well, I'm a little concerned if you're blaming low-wage workers for not going back to workplaces that they think are unsafe. Um, There's a bit of a shared responsibility there. Um, It's not just about workers. It's also about employers uh, making sure that their workplaces are safe. Certainly some employers are absolutely stepping up and getting the required uh, personal protective equipment for employees, uh, setting up shields, for instance, uh, setting up uh, shifts such that uh, people aren't coming in as much contact with others. But I fear that what's going to happen when the economy opens up more broadly beyond these initial baby steps uh, is that there will be, uh, you know, there'll be good employers, and there'll be bad employers on this front. There'll be employers who say that they don't want to invest in these sorts of things. Uh, and in essence, they'll threaten workers with uh, either they come back or they lose their CERB, uh, the emergency benefit. The emergency benefit is structured such that if you are recalled work uh, and you do not wish to return because you don't think the workplace is safe because your employer isn't stepping up to provide the safety measures needed, uh, then you can be deemed to have quit. And if that happens, then you will be cut off, sir, uh, the emergency benefit. And uh, so what that means for workers is they'll, some workers certainly will, will, will get a choice between income or health, but not both. Um, and that'll be pushed on them. Uh, from their employer. I mean, it has nothing to do with their laziness or their, you know, their willingness to work. I mean, most most people do want to go back to work. They don't want to be sitting at home. Uh, and for most workers, uh, 
they'd, they'd make a fair amount more than they'd make on the emergency benefit. So, I mean, it, you know, it's a bit of a scapegoat to, to blame low-wage workers for not going back to work if you're not in the same breath uh, blaming employers for not making workplaces safe. And that is going to be a lot of tension. You look at so many jobs, and as you say, we're told to listen to the health authorities. Well, if you listen to the health authorities, a lot of jobs are not really safe now. I mean, this could be a whole new legality situation. Right, and there's, there's, there's a fairly clean connection between wage, hourly wage, and your ex- physical exposure to other people because of your occupation. Uh, so for those making under $14 an hour, um, over 40% of those people work in occupations that have a high risk of physical exposure to others. Um, in that category alone, workers making under $14 uh, an hour, um, there's been a big drop in exposure between February and March because people were laid off or they lost the majority of their hours. You don't usually see layoff as an upside, but in this case, there was an upside to those workers. They weren't as exposed. But if we were to immediately return to the new normal, if everything was to reopen the way it was in February, there's 200 workers in that wage category alone um, that are high risk that would uh, potentially be recalled. Uh, and they would get to make a choice when they were recalled. Either their workplace is safe and they, 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 maybe they could return. But if the workplace wasn't safe, they'd have to make the choice between whether they want to you know, pay the bills, fall behind in the rent, or whether they want to maintain the health of their health and the health of their families. Um, and this, you know, at this point, the reopenings are, are still fairly tentative. We haven't seen a lot of this. We have mm-hmm. some early signs in things like meatpacking, uh, like the Cargill plant in Alberta, um, of what can happen. Or in the U.S., where the president has designated meatpacking plants essential industries and, in essence, forcing low-wage workers back into these jobs. That, I think, is the tip of the iceberg of what we're going to see over the coming months as we as we try to reopen our economy. What about another angle on this? You know, uh, these subsidies and emergency funds are there for people right now because we know that things were closed down. But there's got to be another phase of people who are hanging on by their fingernails. And this is a delayed reaction. I can think of so many businesses that are going to have that delayed reaction. Do you think that it might be wise to extend these? under some circumstances? Well, the the emergency benefit hypothetically ends in the first week of July. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's any way that we're going to go back to the old BI rules that existed, that in essence were replaced by the emergency benefit. I think what's going to happen is we'll transition to a, a new, more modern EI system. Frankly, the emergency benefit is much better than the old EI system. It's, it's much easier to access. The benefits are easier to understand. In most cases, it's more generous. Um, and it's it's available to a much broader spectrum of workers, so gig economy, self-employed workers, and so on. Um, I, I don't think that those those expansions are going to go away. We might see some expansion of the SERB system, the emergency benefit system, beyond uh, the first week of July, potentially to the first week of, of uh, August, uh, as we try to build a new modern employment insurance system. I mean, the, the insurance system that we have is, was built for the 70s. It was built on software and computers that uh, were built themselves in the 70s. It was built for people, uh, male breadwinners going to work at a full-time job, uh, you know, 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. That, I mean, that's not, the, that's not the world we live in today, and we haven't really updated the EI system since the 70s. So certainly, it's certainly due for an update. Um, and so I, I don't think that there's going to be a I don't think we'll push people back to the old EI system. There'd, there'd be millions of people, in essence, that would be left without income supports in probably the worst job market that we've seen since the uh, 
uh, since the, the Depression in, in the 1930s in Canada. All right, we're about to get a break, but just a few seconds left. But I got to ask you, basic income, everyone wondering, even conservatives like former Senator Hugh Siegel think that this may be a pretty good test. I mean, the emergency benefit is closing in on a basic income. It's very accessible. I mean, there are restrictions, but we could remove some of those restrictions and it would very much close in on a, on a basic income of $2,000 a month. So it's very much more, it's much more similar to a basic income than EI ever was, that's for sure. All right. Thank you for joining us, David. You take care and stay safe. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right.